everybody. How are you? Oh, my stick is coming off. My new visor. Take that off. How are you all? It is hot, hot, hot here. We had two days of rain. I'm taking my shirt off because it's too hot. We had two days of rain and now it's really humid today, actually. Probably not humid like some people are used to, but it's humid for this one. Whew, how are you, everyone? <sighs> Welcome to the private chat now going to be turned into a podcast and I'm here to answer all and every question. I'm excited to be here. It's Monday the 25th of July. We just had an amazing weekend here for our donors at Believe Ranch and Rescue. Miss Annette Miller was here. She was, she loved it. It was amazing. Um, hi Megan. How are you? How are you recovering from your little surgery? Um, I want to congratulate some People who raced on the weekend, personally, my two athletes, Morris and Jackie, who did um, Ironman Placid, and it was a rough day. They made the cutoff, which is amazing because it was so humid and so hot. And hi, Sandra. And they really struggled with their um, getting their body temperature acclimated. They had a little bit, probably too much electrolyte. Jackie struggled with uh, stomach issues, and we went through how we could negate that next time. But it was such a hard race. I mean, it's not only a hard course because it's basically up and down and then a hilly run but it's really really hot and the further back you are the hotter it's going to be because you're going to be finished later, later finishing later on in the day and um yeah so they did amazing jackie and morris congratulations you guys did amazing so proud of you if anybody else raced that i missed please um let me know hi joe how are you let me know if you raced um if i missed you um, I want to hear about how you did. We've got some special here. Get how are you? Bubs. Congratulations, everybody who raced you. Oh, this is very wet. Oh, is it? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Congratulations, cool everybody racing. And hello, Sandra Nettleton. Hi, Megan. Annette. Joe. Merle. Hello. It's so great to see you guys. Did you say Merle or Merle? Um, it's Merle. Welcome to our live chat, you guys. And as you know, this has turned into a podcast. So we'd really love to hopefully benefit you guys from answering some really cool questions. I know how I had a few that Annette pinned me on. Got a few questions saved up. But please let us know, Joe, Merrill, anyone who has Sandra questions, we would love to help. Um, we're not going to stay on for too long, but we're here to serve, as always, on Monday nights at 5 Mountain Time. So do yeah. you have any athletes that raced? I did. I had Jeannie Metzler raced, and she wasn't really ready to race at probably one of the biggest races in the year is that the pto which is a pto canadian uh championship but we didn't go for that purpose we weren't going to win the race we weren't even going to podium or come in top 10. uh genie was going to race to kind of make a statement you know she months ago was suffering deeply with anxiety and depression does anybody and, suffer from anxiety and yeah, depression? I'm not, sure we have a few. Put in the here. chat, you guys. And the thing is, athletes, they try to be so tough that they don't talk about it. And Jeannie is one of those brave, courageous souls that wants to make a difference in this world, wants to have an impact on people that are athletes, people that struggle with their mental health, people that struggle with anxiety and depression. So she's so courageously. Uh, went out there to talk about how she already has experienced her greatest victory, which was coming back 
from the darkness of that deep depression and showing up on the start line was the actual victory and it was about going out there and showing that results don't define you uh, what place you come in or how fast you finish a race you guys does not define your worthiness whether you're worthy or not whether you're enough or not and so it was her brave and courageous way of going out there and saying, hey, I want to do what I love. And she wasn't necessarily prepared to race at that high, high level. But what she was prepared to do was to race with a totally different perspective, which was being grateful that she is back from this really dark period, that she is healthy and strong and building up fitness and back doing what she loves. And... If you guys haven't listened already, there was an incredible podcast with Bob Babbitt, Breakfast with Bob, where Jeannie spoke about um, kind of her journey and uh, how she's changed her perspective and changed the way she looks at things. And when you listen to that, I think it's super powerful for every single athlete. Um, because now what I see in her as my athlete is with this new um, toolbox, kind of a mental health toolbox, a, a toolbox of having the right focus, giving things a, a, an empowering meaning and taking action to race from that place with the proper training and, you know, doing all the work that we have ahead of us. I believe that Jeannie will be even a more extraordinary athlete than she ever has been before. Um, those of you who don't know, Jeannie uh, came in second last year at the Ironman 70.3 World Champs. Extraordinary athlete, but an even more extraordinary human being. And she wants to make a difference in this world. So listen to that podcast. I'm going to have her on my podcast in a couple of weeks. But who else here struggles with mental health? Who else here has ever been in a time period where you love the training, but when it's time to race, you dread it for weeks going in. Like, that's not why you do the sport. And sometimes you've got to take a step back like Jeannie did and reconnect to why you're doing this in the first place. What is it about the sport that drew you to it? What got in the way of you enjoying it like you used to? And Jeannie took that time, took, you know, five months to do just that, to reconnect to why this matters to her, to reconnect to what she loves about the sport and to kind of build up a mental toolbox, which will see her achieving extraordinary things in the future. So talk about that, guys. People don't talk about it. And you know what? People think it's weak to talk about mental health. It's not. It's a strong thing to do. It is a strong thing to want to advocate for yourself, ask for help, and find a better way. Better thought processes, better habits, better ways of talking to yourself, better ways of dealing with challenge and adversity. Because this isn't just for the sport, it's for life. And we all need this. So be brave enough to talk about it. If you've struggled in the past, be brave enough to talk about it. Be brave enough to ask questions here. Um, do that for you. Do that for the people you love. Do that for this sport that you love so much. Because once you lose joy for a sport, it's hard to get it back unless you understand what's your part in the joy not being there anymore. What can you do differently? What do you need to change 
to reconnect to the joy, the pleasure that this sport brings you. That's a bonus. We didn't even know you were coming on tonight. Yeah. So does anybody um, have any questions on regard to the to mental health or the mental approach to racing? Been there, Megan Newman. I think Thank you for sharing, Megan. If you haven't been there, then I think you're lying. I think everyone's been there. Everyone has been there, guys. And here we go. We have a question. Just like Jeannie, you know, how brave you, enough and courageous enough to talk about it, and I want you all to do the same. So how do you? Thank you, Joseph. How do you do? T1, if you don't have clip clip your shoes, carry shoes to mounting line. Well, first thing, we're going to teach you how to keep your shoes clipped on because I do think it is a lot faster and safer. But um, no, you would just um, have your shoes next to your bike and you would just put them on next to your bike and then you would just run in the transition with your bike shoes on. Now, it, it is quite dangerous to run in bike shoes, especially if it's like concrete because you can slip over. My biggest tip, and it's a great question, is always have your bike shoes clipped in on the trainer and for every ride that you do that way that you're starting with your bike shoes on in like a safe environment and when you're on your own and you can do it in an area where it's safe and you just have them on your shoes and you just every ride you do you keep them on your you keep them on your bike and so you ride off you pedal 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 have momentum my biggest tip is don't look down and it's hard to do because you technically always want to like subconsciously look down at what you're doing always look up and feel you can feel your feet getting into your shoe without looking down a lot of people don't firstly don't have enough momentum so they tip um, you have to build up some speed like ride 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 build up some speed put one foot in pedal 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 put the other foot in and um, then do them up so or do them up one at a time so I just think you've got to have momentum keep your shoes clicked in all the time and we have ours on a peloton but our peloton doesn't move but I think that's the best way to practice with your shoes clipped in I would recommend just practicing and training and then Joe it will just become so much easier um, great great advice Beth yeah and I think that's the next step Joe um, even if it's uncomfortable don't stay there um, put your clip on put your shoes on the bike like Beck says hop on pedal 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 get moving and just take your time put one foot in one shoe pedal 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 other foot in other shoe pedal 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 when you feel balanced and you know there's no one around you, close the strap on one shoe, pedal, pedal, pedal. When you feel free, there's no one around you, put the strap on the second one. You do it in steps. You don't have to do it all at once. But um, even though it's a little bit scary, Joe, get started with practicing it now. Put your shoes on the bike. Like Beck says, keep them on for every training ride. Practice it every time you get on the bike. And just start by riding with your feet on top of the shoes for as long as you need to until you get comfortable enough to reach down and put it on. Yeah, and again, like, keep your head up and have some speed. People try to do it when they're barely moving. You have to be moving, obviously, to so you don't crash. And keep your head up, go for by, go by feel, and just practice it all the time. And it will be faster, it will be easier. Um, trying to click in, trying to click into your shoe while you're... Um, you've got them on your feet is just so much harder and you also like can bang into people and people can bang into you so the best thing is to jump on your bike and go um i think that's way faster so um annette's asking i just looked this up so i could give you the steps um for i think it was for christine about connecting her device now i'm glad you're saying you're not using your garment in the pool i would yes, say yes good i would say i know you want to connect if your bike and runs i get that but i would say don't focus on the numbers don't focus on the heart rate just go by feel once once a week maybe look at it but look at it afterwards siri did that with rennie she never watched anything but her cadence on the bike and on the run she would have her regular watch but she wasn't looking at pace she was just looking at time for time for intervals so 
I think it's just, can we talk about quickly, sorry, before you go, just the, the, the limiting, like the ceiling that, that garments cause and metrics causes that, that limited, it's called like the glass ceiling, but I think that's, that applies to like metrics as well. There's people have this, like, you're so good at explaining, but like why we don't use power. We use it, but we don't. It we're actually not, limits you guys. everything on it. We I use mean, RPE, which is rate of perceived yeah. and effort. Yeah. So take this for example. Say, you know, you've been training for an Ironman and you have your Ironman race watts that you've been training at, right? Mm -hmm. And you get there on race day. If you've done a proper taper, like one of our taper plans, and you're ready to go, the adrenaline of the race, you get out there and you're hitting those numbers. And you think, ah, I'm golden. I'm hitting my race numbers. And yeah, you probably have a great day out there. But what I found with my athletes is that when, and what I've done to experiment with this is use, you know, power in training with one particular athlete. And then on race day, don't like take the power meter off and you're going by feel. And what I found is that the race watts, the Ironman race watts, she rode 15 watts higher than that and held it for the entire 180K. Now, you wouldn't do that if you're using power. You'd mm -hmm. be like, oh, I'm exactly where I need so to limiting. be. So limiting. So it actually limits you. It holds you back. And every single day when you're using power, you're either good enough or you're not. Today, are you good enough or are you not? Are you enough or are you not? And it's this constant judgment zone. And if you want to find one sure way to strip the joy out of triathlon racing, it's having to judge yourself in every single moment of and every single ride, in yeah. every single training session, every single day. Sure, it may motivate you for a while, but is it really a positive motivator? Is it a push motivator or is it a pull inspiring motivator? And if the question is that it motivates you because you're trying to be good enough, you know, and and if you don't hit your numbers, you're going to feel like you're not enough. Um, that's not sustainable. That kind of motivation is not sustainable. So I say set yourself free. Jump into the non-judgment zone. Go by rate of perceived exertion, and you will find that you reach all new levels that you couldn't have even dreamt of because your watch would tell you it's impossible. Boom. And on the bike, it always says that, one thing you can keep constant most of the time, obviously a very undulating course, it's harder, but it's cadence. Yes. And our idea cadence is 78 to 82, maybe 84 if you're a skinny little tiny little thing, but that's the ideal race cadence and we can explain more about that on another chat, but that has been the cadence that Sirius found. Do you want to explain why Sirius? Just, I mean, just because you have 25 years experience, I think that's Well, you have to reason, run off but, the bike. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing that's different. You may watch the Tour de France and professional cyclists, but yeah. and not, they are riding at 100 plus cadence. They don't have to run off the bike. And if you want to have a fast run off the bike, a good run off the bike, and you want to have the aerobic capacity to sustain that as well, it is smarter for you to use a bigger gear and use more the strength in your legs rather than your cardiovascular ability to ride at a lower cadence where you're using your muscular strength. So when it's time to get on the run, and the ideal run cadence would be 90 to 100, I, I count it just One. right foot strikes per minute, mm -hmm. 90 to 100 ideal for running fast with less effort, for running efficiently. But if you've been spinning at 90 to 100 RPMs on the bike for five hours, 
you can't expect that your body's gonna be able to continue holding that same cadence for a full marathon. So people that spin and ride the 180K, even the 90K and a half Ironman, even a 40K in an Olympic distance, those that are spinning at that rate are not usually the best runners on the day. So if you wanna run great, use your strength on the bike Okay, lower cadence also using your strength. Lower cadence means lower heart rate. Yep. Okay, so cardiovascular, you're leaving yourself But you have to be to conditioned to do that. And we train you guys. Our programs, we condition you to do our that. programs right. are written to train you to do the big gear and do that sports-specific strength work. So come race day, 82 or 78 to 82 feels really good and easy. We're not saying do the big gear work and ride at 50 to 60 no. RPM. That's not going to work mm -mm. because your power is much lower if we're going to talk power. But you're, you're gonna, you want to be in it like a middle zone there, 78 to 82. And I just, yeah. 78 to 82 with every single athlete I've coached, and I've coached a lot of champions, has been the sweet spot where with the right conditioning, that is where they are most powerful. That is where they are pushing the most power, not talking about numbers, but they are their most powerful selves at the lowest heart rate possible riding at that effort. And then they're able to get off the bike and their body's like, woohoo, going from 80 to 100 um, cadence feels good on the body. It's a, re it's a release, it's a, it's a pattern change, which your body thrives on. And you feel great getting off the bike running and it sets you up for the best race overall. And Garmin's in the pool are way off. Garmin's running can be way off too if the GPS is off. You could say, the other day I went running on a trail and a friend had her Garmin on, and she said, oh, we did five miles. And I was like, an hour 15? Honey, we did more than five miles, because it didn't even track properly. So they're so way off. They can also, your heartbeat gets confused with the Garmin. We've talked about this so many times. Just search for our podcast. We've talked about it a lot. But your Garmin can get your steps mixed up with the heartbeat. It feels a pulse in your steps. So it's reading it like 160 because it's reading your steps per minute and your heart rate's only 140. It's very inaccurate if you don't use a chest strap. And that's why, again, a chest strap is restrictive. It cuts off your diaphragm. So take it with a grain of salt. If you're sitting on a trainer with a Garmin, it's probably a little more accurate. But running, it's not that accurate unless you have a proper device that reads usually with a, a strap. And then the other thing is, um, Christine was asking, well, how do I do my time splits? Well, you use just a regular Timex watch. Like the Ironman watches have start, stop, go. The regular start, stop, mm -hmm. digital start, stop watch. Like don't carry your phone like you can, but start, stop. Like a regular, yeah. like we did in old school. Old school is yeah. the way. But how you sync that real quick. So go to your profile, Christine. Um, and go to settings on Training Peaks. This is how to upload your and sync your Garmin. I'm telling you how to sync any device, really. Go to settings. Okay, in settings, scroll down and find apps and devices. And then on the top right, it says add new connection. And then you add new connection and you choose um, which connection. And there's so many. There's Garmin, Suunto, Polar, Oahu, Swift, Apple, Bakul, Coros, Elite, Fitbit, Blah, 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 SRM. There's so many. There's like probably a hundred apps on there. And you choose which one and then you sync it up. So there you yeah. go. And Christine, I'll add to that as well because I do, I did allow people like Miranda Carfrey, Leanne Cave to have um, the watch that would just beep after like a mile. Every mile it would beep. But what I asked of them is you don't look down. You don't look down because then you're back in the judgment zone. Is it good enough? Is it not? Is it good enough? Is it not? Now, when is it okay to look down? It's okay to look down if you're, you know, 
if you can keep the judgment out and understand that, okay, that's the split, like this mile could have been, you know, harder, a hilly mile rather than the downhill mile, it's going to be different. If you can maintain your perspective and not let the number you see affect your state, and you got to be really good mentally to do that, then it's okay to look. But I'm happy for you to, to he, listen to the beat to know when you're at 5K or to know when you're at 10K. That's totally fine. But again, we're recommending this, guys, not because, you know, it's our thing and you got to do it. We're recommending this because you want to perform to the best of your ability. This is how. Mm. Now, if you have a mindset of steel and you can look at those intervals and not let it phase you mentally, that's great. Mm -hmm. No problem there. But prove to me that you can do that, and then I'll yeah. be okay with it. And the it. thing is, if you're having it, this is the thing with me that, that happened as a pro, when I never used a lot of watches, but when I did use metrics, if I was having a rough day, and it was like supposed to be a certain pace, like four minute K pace, and my normal four minute K pace might have felt like an eight out of 10, and I'm running, looking at my pace, and I'm doing like four 15s, and my heart rate's like through the roof, I can feel mm -hmm. it through the roof, I can't breathe, and I'm trying way harder than an eight out of 10, or seven out of ten, and it's like feels like a nine. It's gonna make you want to give up. I'm exhausted. And what can you do? Looking at your watch is not going to help. What can you. you do? What am I going to go? A oh, fucking watch like work properly. Excuse me, stupid watch. Why are you working? Like you need to go harder. But no, that's, that's not, not what gonna, you would say because that's a not, human I'm, I athlete say would say I'm going like crap, and this is a worse day. And oh, guess let what me happens finish. Then. I haven't finished yet. So I'd be looking at it, thinking I can't go any harder. Like why am I going so slow today? And you just feel depressed about it. But that's why RPE is so good because it's always about how you feel. So we always see effort and then you can look at the numbers after if you have to and you might be just having like some, everybody has bad days, rough days. Most of the time I had three or four a week. So I just think it's, you just got to not get too wrapped up. That's in those right. Numbers. Guys, it goes like this. The numbers are disempowering. Going by RPE is empowering, period. Okay. You're going to be more joyful. You're, you're going to be in a better state, which will enable you to have that dream race that best training session, whatever it is. But that's up to you. So Beck, you know, thank you for sharing that. And I think that everybody who actually comes and changes to this, doing things this way, finds that not only are they performing better than ever, but they're happier, they're more fulfilled. So um, it's the way to go, you guys. And uh, just give yourself the opportunity to, because Beck's right. The fact is that some days, you know, going a certain pace is going to feel harder than others. Now, does it mean you can't run that pace? No, you can run it, but you just have to put in the effort. So when you're going by perceived effort, you know, your body knows when you've trained this enough day after day, week after week, your body knows how hard you can go and your body knows when you need to back off. And it is just so much more empowering. You'll be in a better state. You'll be able to tap into your utmost potential. And that's what we're looking for. Boom. Okay, Dan's got a question. He said, is it okay to do a six-hour ride 27 days out from his... I think you must be an Ironman, Dan. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, Tremblant. I love that race. I'm totally good with that. So four weeks out? Yeah, 100% you could do six hours. Siri, what about... That'd be up? our last longest ride, and then I would yep. cut it straight down so to let's four cut it down. or three let's weeks out. Six weeks out. Four weeks out, so you do six-hour ride, probably still two hours of running, maybe 2.15 max. Mm -hmm. Then three weeks out, what would they cut it down to, Siri? 
If you're doing hours. a six-hour ride, Dan, the next week I would cut it down to four. If you had only done like five, five and a half hour ride, I said four weeks out, then I'd do five. Out. So that's three weeks out. Yeah. Running, what would they do three weeks out? Three weeks, I probably two hours the last two-hour run. Last two hours. Yeah. And then two weeks out, cut it right down to three hours probably, and then running maybe one hour. 15 what well, wait what are you talking about two weeks to go or two weeks out not the race week so if it's a weekend so you're basically like seven days two, away 14 days out oh so 14 days out i do a four hour ride i'd do three to four for my age group yeah probably yeah oh, yeah right three one to four. 130 running maybe 145 and max. 130 to 145 and then the week before i would do three hour max this is the weekend before weekend yep. before 2.30 to 3 hours max for you guys and an hour max on the run. There you go. Yep. Boom. Hopefully that helped you guys. Dan, you're on track. I know you've got our program, so you'll be fine. Um, that's what I'm looking for mentally to get back to enjoying sporting. Yes, Christine Burns, and I would get rid of your garment. I don't even want you to sync yeah. what I just said. It is so limiting. Let's get rid of it. Let's go by effort. All our training's based on that anyway. Ironman effort for most people is like a six to seven out of ten. Hopefully okay. more like a seven in training. Seventy point three might be closer to a seven, seven and a half, pushing an eight. Olympic distance is closer to effort is like more of a closer to an eight out of ten. This is all relative to how to you as an individual because your speeds are all gonna be different. Everyone's different fitness level. Um and, and then Christine, all out all yeah. out is like a nine out of ten. And then through solid is usually like a seven-ish out of ten, yeah. right? Solid. Tempo. Hard is, yeah, hard is like still an eight to nine out of ten. Mm -hmm. So up tempo might be a seven out of ten. So we use those terms. What else do yeah. we use? Um, yeah, that's good. If you ever have questions, guys, just post on, on the site. But comfortably uncomfortable I'll use a lot. And, that's and what's usually, that one? Seven, eight? Um, that's solid. That's, um, you know, yeah, seven to eight. Um comfortably uncomfortable it's exactly what it sounds like yep. and uh, a lot of times that can be tempo it can be solid it can be strong but that's what i would call comfortably uncomfortable and that will be something where you probably what can't really hold more than a, an hour or two no you can probably hold four hours if you had to yeah right? but it would be super uncomfortable right right yeah right so just think about when we say race pace effort what is the next race you're doing what plan you're on and so what could i hold on this day if i was racing like what would be my race pace perceived effort mm -hmm. kind of a good guy yeah and uh christine earlier thank you for your comment on the talking about the mental health i appreciate that so much just your acknowledgement so thank you yeah sleep dan dan saying that sleep is so important on recovery and improving overall performance 100 percent. we are huge yes. advocates anyone who brags about not sleeping i don't think that's healthy it's not sustainable guys it's not good for your health ultimately it's gonna your bite you in the butt system's gonna be so shot sleep guys best recovery ever great comment dan best yeah. recovery tool ever yeah. sleep Siri knows all about that yeah. show them that what you do now she doesn't use this for training she's just for sleeping and this is something we do recommend purely for sleep this whoop is unreal and it just basically it makes her aware of like, oh, I need to like take care of myself when you've gone through a bone marrow transplant. Yeah, um, you so got to be take more care of yourself. So the whoop's cool for that. Um, um, basically, what it shows you is, um, you know, how good your sleep was. This is me last night. I've had a tough time sleeping over the last week or two. Lots of stuff going on, but um, it basically is going to show you when you look up your sleep. Um, it's going to show you how much time you were awake, how much time was light sleep, how much time was uh, deep sleep, how much time was REM sleep. 
and it tells you how much you've recovered according to the strain that you put in that day. Now for me, uh, talk about judgment, I'm not gonna judge myself because this is just information to help keep me healthy. So it's telling me that I need to go to bed earlier tonight and I should you know, make sure I do my pre-bedtime routines that always lead to me sleeping well. What that means for me is I get in bed, I read a little, I do this breathing meditation called Soul Sync, and I listen to a little uh, bedtime story, believe it or not, on Calm, and, and then I have a great night's sleep. Now, over the past week, I haven't been kind of doing that schedule, so this is a reminder, like Siri, you know what, let's take this seriously. Your training for today is to do your sleep you know, uh, routine the way you need to to set yourself up for the best sleep. So um, that's what I do, guys, and it's super helpful. But I think going to bed at around the same time every night, um, Beck knows this kind of drives her a little bit crazy because I get in bed at 8.30 every night, and by 9 o'clock I'm turning the light out. And um, sounds a little bit anal, but in the same note, since I've been doing that, I have been feeling just at the top of my game. It's uh, it's what works for me and I encourage all of you to at least, you know, have an hour where you, you always go to bed somewhere between this and this. Mm -hmm. um, Kathleen, this is awesome. She said, the perceived effort has changed my world. Was able to do two half Ironmans with Coach Maddie in two weeks apart and left so happy on my runs because I stopped watching my watch and just ran the course. The one thing I have a question on is on the bike, on the harder days, Sometimes I have trouble pushing my hardest out without directed watts. What are suggestions? Same suggestions. Hard is hard, easy is easy, and it's all how you feel. So like we just said, like if you're going to go flat out, you just go as hard as you can. If it's a 30-second or a minute flat out, as hard as you can in that moment, right? If it's, if it's your race pace effort, you do whatever you feel like is your race pace. You've got to still go by feel. You don't need the watts to look at. You can look at them afterwards, but if you're not having a great day, then it's going to, again, like Siri, be, be limiting. And if you're having an amazing day, it might hold you back because you're like, oh, ooh, ooh, I've never hit those numbers, so I better back off, I better back off. So hopefully we already touched on that. Siri, do you have anything to add for that? Well, I think, you know, if you are using power and not looking at it, and you go back and you look, and maybe you question, did I go hard enough or did I not? Did it feel hard enough? Well, right, but you can look at the numbers and say, okay, like this, I need to know that how I felt on that ride probably wasn't as hard as I should have made it. Right. And you can just use it as a reference, like I can go even harder and that's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. um, but you don't then take the numbers and use them for the next ride. Just know that, okay, you know, my hard, some people, their hard is like a 20 out of 20 and it's dangerous. Some people, I'll never forget an athlete came well, I to train the, I with us. I remember the exact moment. Yes, yes, came for a couple of days to train with us. She's on the treadmill and I was having her do six times three minutes hard, like best effort hard. And, you know, she, she it just looked so easy for her. So I said, are you going hard enough? And she said, oh yeah, you know, I'm going hard enough. This really hurts. And, and I'm like, if you were going hard enough, you wouldn't even be able to answer yes. my question of, yes. are you going hard enough? much less reply with a five sentence, you know, explanation. <laughs> and so I explained that to her. When you're going hard, you guys, you can't talk. You can smile and wave at someone, but you really like to talk would Probably really not smile either. 
to talk would be such a big effort that it's going to make you really upset. That's what going hard feels like. So mm -hmm. if when you're riding and you're wondering whether you're going hard enough for your hard effort, if, if I asked you, are you going hard enough? And you can answer me with a full paragraph. You're not going hard enough. Kick it in, go harder, dig deeper. I want to see more. Hopefully that helped. Um, you guys and let me ask let me see one more question um i recently got a whoop if you're a member of lifetime fitness i give you 15 percent off the first remember goes down to 12, 21 a month there you go written, written off as medical device boom kathleen said thank you siri thank you everybody um thank you dan that's freaking awesome and thank you for posting Ginny's interview it was one of the best interviews i have ever seen because it's so real so authentic I love that she talked about the horses and the healing power of the horses and um, she's an amazing lady um, and she's got big things to come in the future. But I love you guys. Thank you for being on. Hopefully this helped and hopefully we answered all of your questions. Remember, we're always here. Tag us on social media at Keep at Siri Lindley. Um, share on that as well and always tag us here on our private Facebook group too. So thank you guys. Have an amazing night. Bye.